the invention of the wheel long long time ago has given way to a spate of inventions this breakthrough heralded the evolution of science and technology the bicycle was one of the early applications of the wheel the bicycle made way to a motorized bicycle called the motorbike ever since the first motorbike was invented it has remained a popular mode of transport till date people love to ride the motorbike bikes that run on ic engines are so powerful these days that you can buy a 2500 cc bike if you wish parallelly big and powerful electric bikes have also begun flooding the market biking is a favorite activity for mankind you can see all kinds of biking activity like the bike racing the on road the off road the mountain biking the terrain biking the long distance biking the solo rides etc many love to explore places while on motorbike tours many go on long motorbike tours for a specific purpose just like the bicycle tour mr jaggi wasudev popularly known as sadguru who is the founder of isha foundation took recently to spread the awareness of soil conservation sadguru rode across 27 countries on his bmw motorcycle the hero of this podcast episode mr suhas shastri is a solo bike rider and is the first indian to embark on a journey of 24000 miles or 28600 kilometers from the arctic ocean all the way to the antarctic ocean this arduous journey took him 6 months to complete this is vishwanath your host and you are listening to winning it stocks podcast i am a sports psychologist counselor author blogger and podcaster mrs swar shastri who works in the detroit michigan usa is now in bangalore for his vacation he has taken the time off for some conversation about the adventurous tour he took a few years ago across the two mighty oceans come let's get talking to suhas shastri this conversation comes with a two part series of episodes you now be listening to the part a of this conversation suhas thanks for joining me with this conversation for my podcast winning edge talks it's nice having you first of all congratulations on your solo bike ride from the arctic to the antarctic ocean that lasted for 6 months and covered 24000 miles or uh, 38600 kilometers so over to you suhas hi um, good morning uh, vishwanath uh, thank you uh, for giving me this opportunity um, so first of all uh my name is suhas and I, i i grew up here in bangalore uh i did my uh, engineering in um, global academy of technology 
I got my mechanical engineering degree um, and I worked for three years in uh, Toyota Kiloskar Motors uh, before I moved to the US. Um, I moved to the US uh, for higher studies. I got my master's in automotive engineering um, and I have been in um, Michigan since then. Oh, very nice. Um, since when is your interest in bike riding? Uh, when did it start actually? Okay, so my interest in motorcycling, uh, I think, started during my engineering days. Uh, we used to uh, go on uh, bike rides to Madhur Coffee Day, uh, to Mysore, to Uti, uh, to Pondicherry, <coughs> and uh, this is how the interest started uh, in long-distance motorcycle riding. Oh, very nice. Uh, maybe this led to your uh, uh, this long journey to this uh, tour uh, between the two mighty oceans. And you also told me that you had taken a, a long uh, ride across the United States. Tell us more about it. Correct. So, uh, in the year 2016, right after I finished my master's degree, um, before I started my work, I went on a motorcycle ride across the US. So, I started from Detroit, went all the way across uh, to Seattle, uh, northwest uh, in the US. And then I took the coastal route uh, down south from Seattle to Los Angeles. And from Los Angeles, I rode back to Detroit on a diagonal route across the US. So that was uh, uh, about 9,000 miles in one month. Oh, very nice. Very exciting. They say United States is not the same all over. It has many other geographical areas and different weather conditions and different, there are deserts, there are mountains, there are cold weather. This. So, uh, was it something new for you to explore the entire United States? Correct, yes. Uh, and that is correct. For every 200 miles, there is a change of landscape in the US, um, especially out in the West. Uh, you see Rocky Mountains and 200 miles later, you see Arizona desert and then 200 miles later, you are in the ocean. Uh, so it is very varied and for me that was um, uh, the first time experiencing something uh, so, it's, uh, the variations in the landscape, something so drastic. Um, it prepared me for uh, the Alaska to Argentina trip actually. Okay, thank you. Uh, for a biker, that was a long distance biker, the bike is everything. I'm curious to know about your bike that on which you travel the entire, uh, from the, between the two oceans from the Arctic to the Antarctic. Which bike was that? Okay, yeah, it was uh, a Triumph Tiger 800. Um, it is also actually available here in Bangalore uh, and um, pretty common too, actually. Um, I have bought that bike uh, in 2016. Uh, I bought it um, used. Uh, it already had 4,000 something miles on it. Um, and today it has 50,000 miles. So I've uh, used it to a, a very good extent. Um, and it's been good. Uh, actually, I've had no problems with the bike, uh, except for minor maintenance issues. Uh, yeah, I yeah. definitely recommend if someone's doing uh, an adventure okay. like that. Okay. So coming from a biker who has done uh, 24,000 miles in one stretch, uh, definitely um, uh, riders who want to who are confused on which bike to use, maybe inspired by what you said about uh, the Triumph. Okay. Nice, uh, Swas. Okay, you are the first Indian to complete this uh, solo ride across the Arctic to the Antarctic. Tell us, how did you hit upon this idea and how many months of planning and preparation did it take? Uh, and um, 
I understand uh, the biggest challenge for a biker is this um, he needs to be very steady he in his body needs to cooperate definitely a person who doesn't have the practice in going long distance on a bike would suddenly end up with a lot of fatigue and backache and all that or oh, did it take a lot of physical conditioning and um, mental preparation and other things and i'm also eager to know at during what period you did this uh, long journey okay huh. um so to answer the first question uh, how i came across this idea um so there is a route which goes all the way from uh, top of uh, alaska uh, to the bottom of south america uh, and uh, it is called the pan american highway um it is the longest highway in the world uh, and uh, there is a small gap between panama and colombia um i'll come back to that story later uh, but anyway so i always wanted to ride my motorcycle on the longest highway in the world and that is where this idea came up uh, and there is also a youtube channel called uh, c90 adventures uh, where there is this english guy english couple actually uh, who did this journey on a small 90cc honda motorcycle so if for me that's when if they can do it on a 90cc bike i can do this on a big bike and that is when this idea stemmed okay. um so yeah to answer the second part of the question uh, which was um, you know the physical abilities uh, yes there is definitely there is uh, some basic fitness that you need to endure long distances on a motorcycle uh, but in my case um, you know uh, whatever physical um let's say for example back pains or uh, arm pains or whatever if i have had it in the first couple of days and magically your body gets used to it uh, because you're doing that all day every day uh, for a very long period of time uh, that happened to me the first couple of days i had a few pains here and there uh, but third day it was all gone and my body was adjusted to it yeah very exciting now coming to the mental part now to take a tour that would last 6 months in varied conditions going across countries i think you covered more than 24 how many countries did you cover in entire the whole stretch for oh, on the no 16 16, 16 countries meeting different authorities um, all those passport thing and other things i hope i am definitely sure you going to talk about this later and um, yes sir when you leave home and you are away from home for 6 months uh venturing into unknown territories in uncharted territories there is a lot of challenges and uh, you are uh, you are uh, you are on your own and you have to eat whatever you lay your hands on to and uh, there's a lot of mental challenge uh if you don't have the courage the confidence the belief very difficult to ac- accomplish this thing and um knowing yourself uh, what have you say to say about yourself and uh, your the your um, raising your uh, mental you know the challenge raising up to the uh, challenge and um, in fact uh, how did you prepare for it mentally okay um mental preparation that's something you can't really prepare until uh, you're actually on on the journey doing what it takes to keep going uh but yeah certainly there were a lot of challenges uh be it uh, bureaucracy be it uh, food be it weather uh but the only thing that keeps me going or kept me going was uh you know the end destination uh and the reason why i started this is to you know do the longest highway in the world um so whatever challenges you face you you basically find 
solutions you find uh, alternate ways uh, but ultimately you have to keep going you have to reach the end destination that's on your final destination after having faced all these challenges how did you feel as a person oh, i feel, i felt very liberated and i felt uh, you know every single moment in my life which led up to this moment uh, was very it was very rewarding yeah uh, having faced all these challenges and coming out successfully made you more uh, to believe in yourself more mentally stronger so Definitely. yeah it gave me a lot of confidence in myself okay, that has that might have helped you in uh, the other areas of life as well and as we it your years pass by and when you look back at it i've done it before why can't i do it again absolutely yeah it gives it gives it gives me or it gave me a lot of confident confidence in myself uh in other aspects be it professionally or personally uh that uh, i can you know if even if it's difficult task uh that i will find ways to achieve it if you had done a ride like this in india uh-huh. uh, it would have made waves i don't know how much uh, uh buzz it cost there in the united states and how did people receive you after you completed this arduous journey okay so in terms of buzz well there are a lot of europeans have done this uh and a few americans have done this uh and a lot of um, a few latin americans have also done this so it is not i i it is pretty uncommon although you do here here in there uh, for uh, you know the westerners doing this uh but uh, when it comes to reception unfortunately when i came back it was uh, peak covid time uh i came back march 2020 uh and everything was shut down uh so the reception was uh, very minimum it was just one friend who came and picked me up and uh of course uh, virtually everyone were happy and congratulating me and you know they were proud of what i had done uh but uh, yeah physically there was uh, just a, a couple of friends yeah. who were there at the airport with me uh yeah. to receive yeah you maybe even though you didn't get the adulation uh, maybe there was a lot of inner satisfaction that uh, you completed the uh, cherished uh, d- dream you fulfilled it for, for yourself yeah yeah thank uh, you. definitely thank you that is now, very you have not yet started this uh, journey now uh, uh, if you have to draw a route uh, for, from your starting point to the across the geography of the uh, you know world map what do you say uh, in brief can you tell tell, tell us uh, the route you took from point a to point b okay um so this is more of a longitudinal journey than a an across journey mm-hmm. so uh, i shipped my bike to uh, anchorage alaska um, and i flew to anchorage uh, and from there i rode all the way north uh, to to this place called trudo bay which was touching the arctic ocean um and from that point on it was all south so if you think about it it's uh, prudhoe bay was in uh, was like 79 degrees north so almost like top of the planet uh and uh, ushuaia which was in south america was 58 degrees south which was which is the southernmost town in the entire world actually uh below that is all the south atlantic ocean and antarctic ocean uh, and antarctica of course um so my route was pretty much straight down from alaska okay thank you for educating us on that uh, so let us break your entire journey into segments starting with alaska and then through to the arctic circle the dalton 
highway experience and all the rest. So I'm eager to know about your experience. Okay. In that. Um, yeah, yeah. Coming back to the uh, Alaska, uh, Alaska is, a, is the largest state in the U.S. Uh, it is huge, um, and from Anchorage, uh, you have to go thousand miles north to hit the Arctic Ocean. So that is a big distance. Uh, so that's what sixteen hundred kilometers. That's distance from here to uh, Uttar Pradesh, maybe. Um, so that that's all, all. That is just one state wow. in Alaska, um, and um, five hundred of this thousand miles is all uh, dirt and gravel roads because that road, it's called the Dalton Highway, is only used by uh, truckers uh, to which acts as a supply route to the oil refinery which is out in uh, Prudhoe Bay. Um, so it's just usually truckers and some adventure motors, motorcyclists who are on that road. Uh, very lonely, there is just like two checkpoints on that road, uh, one at uh, 120 mile mark and the other one at 250 mile mark. And uh, the last 250 miles, there is absolutely nothing. No, no settlement, no human uh, contact anywhere. It's just this one road which goes over the Arctic tundra. Um, the Arctic tundra means it's uh, it's that region, that land within the treeless region. Correct, the treeless region, with, okay. which is within the Arctic Circle, oh. uh, and uh, where the ground is frozen throughout the year. Uh, and they've laid a road on top of this frozen ground. Okay. Um, and yeah, that will reach Prudhoe Bay. Um, Prudhoe Bay, like I said, it touches the Arctic Ocean. And um, there was a tour which took us uh, to the Arctic Ocean and uh, I even managed to take a dip in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were speaking about that. Yeah. Oh, it must uh, have been very cold. It was very cold. I would probably never do that again. Um, and yeah, coming back from Prudhoe, it was the same route. Uh, back yes. uh, down to uh, you know uh, the lower part of Alaska and like then I crossed over into Canada. After, maybe you were frozen at that time after you took a, took a dip. <laughs> How did you regain your body temperature? <laughs> um, luckily, uh, there was a tour bus which was uh, the waiting just you know a few um, yards from the ocean, um, and I literally ran from uh, the ocean into the bus. And inside the bus, there was, uh, you know, it was temperature controlled, so it was warm. Oh, nice. Uh, but after that, I had to get on my bike and ride in the cold. It was a different story. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at least temporarily, there was some warmth. Yeah. Nobody to pacify you or, you know, uh, what you say, tamper you. Uh, you have to manage on your own yeah. and talk to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Code yourself and get along the way. Yeah, very difficult. So your next destination was Canada. Uh, describe the experience. Uh, you told me that you passed through the British Columbia and saw some national parks out there. You were also lucky to spot a few black black bears. How exciting. Yeah, yeah. So Canada, as soon as I entered Canada, it was um, pretty lonely um, because north and northwest of Canada, there is absolutely nothing. It's just uh, complete wilderness and uh, a few timber uh, uh, wood cutting operations running there. Apart from that, there's not much. Um, it starts getting a little more po populated. Uh, you see, you start seeing some towns as you come south, uh, especially as you enter British Columbia. Uh, British Columbia, um, I saw two national parks which are world famous. Uh, they're called Jasper and Banff National Parks. Um, they were 
pretty amazing they are um, in the heart of the rocky mountains uh, in 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 the canadian rockies um and they have this beautiful turquoise blue uh, you know snow melt water or glacier melt water uh, which forms lakes and then beautiful rocky mountain backgrounds um it was it was easily one of the most beautiful destinations on the whole trip actually very nice when you lucky to spot some wild animals uh, except uh, those bears uh, those uh, Yes, um, birds and hmm. yeah. There was this stretch called uh, Stuart Cassier Highway, uh, which is notorious for uh, spotting a lot of black bears. Um, and I did see like thirteen uh, uh, black bears in a stretch of an hour, hours travel. Um, but they were not, you know, they were not aggressive or anything. They were they were used to humans and traffic going on that road, so they were just you know going into the bushes and hiding. Uh, apart from that, I saw a moose. Mm-hmm. uh alaskan moose with like giant antlers and everything um that was up in um, canada um yeah that that's about it how far is this place from yellowstone um i would say about 1000 miles maybe oh, slightly less too far that's yeah. that's far from yellowstone yeah and uh, to spot a pack of wolves is almost impossible <laughs> yeah in the wild yeah uh, <laughs> it is very rare it takes a lot of waiting yeah and uh, yeah okay um now you moved through vancouver and uh, into seattle and then on to mexico uh, you told me you had a harrowing experience at the mexican border because you forgot to get your visa or passport stamped uh, how about that experience okay yeah um first of all um, you know riding through alaska canada and um uh, lower U- united states I was used to that because I've lived in the US for long. Um so it was nothing different. So I was it felt like uh it was basically they all speak English so it was it was comforting to travel through there and as soon as I entered Mexico uh it was completely different. Like nobody spoke English. Uh it was you know traffic everywhere and chaos everywhere. Um it made me think I'm like okay why am I doing this? I have a good job i am settled really um why why am i going through this momentarily yes yeah, that hit me but again you know uh, i reminded of the reminded myself of the ultimate destination and i wanted to keep going um anyway that uh, apart from that feeling i had um, there was this border uh, crossing issue that I, um whenever you know um the previous borders i crossed from alaska to canada or canada into the us there is obviously a lot of border security checkposts where people stop you they ask you why you're going what you're doing etc etc um but i expected something similar entering mexico uh, but that did not happen uh, i exited us and then the road sort of went through a bunch of uh, uh gateways or uh, guideways i should say uh, and then there was no real stock security gates or anything and then i saw a big sign which said welcome to mexico uh which was a surprise because i had to get my passport stamped uh so i stopped and asked uh, police officers uh, and i they spoke zero english i spoke zero spanish so i used google translate like uh, i need to get a passport stamp where do i get it so they're like no baja is a free zone because that is where i entered baja in mexico baja peninsula baja peninsula in okay. mexico okay. um and they the police said uh, it was a free zone and it doesn't require any passport stamps 
so I believed him. Uh, so I, I went on. I continued into Mexico without the passport stamp. Um, and I, I rode 60 kilometers so, south of the border. And I stayed in this town called Ensenada. That's where I started reading. Uh, is it you know is it safe to travel without a passport stamp? Then I realized um, Baja. The police officer was actually correct. Uh, Baja was a visa-free zone, um, but what he did not know was I had to go from Baja to mainland Mexico uh, at the tip of Baja Peninsula. I was. Uh, How far is that? That that tip from top to bottom is. Uh, 1,500 kilometers, 1,200 kilometers or something. Uh, and from the bottom, obviously, it doesn't make sense to come all the way top. So I was going to catch a ferry uh, from the bottom of the peninsula to mainland Mexico. Uh, and to go to mainland Mexico, you need a passport stamp. They won't allow otherwise. Uh, and there is no facility at the bottom of the peninsula which would give me this stamp. Uh, so that's what I, you know, through all my readings, I, that's what I um, found out that I had to get the stamp. So the next morning I went back uh, 60 kilometers. I crossed into the US again, uh, took the first exit back into Mexico. Uh, and this time I stopped uh, at the border and I asked them saying, I need the stamp because I'm going to mainland Mexico. So that was the experience uh, where I had to stop and ask for a passport stamp. Now as a sports psychologist and a mind coach, I'm curious to know this. Uh, to a normal person, if these unexpected situations crop up, they can tend to get panic, you know, they can panic, they can get stressed, they can become anxious, worried and totally stressed out. Now, um, these moments require you need to be in the present, we need to be calm, we need to um, uh, I anchor your courage and uh, to you know, be able to face it. How did you feel at that moment that you have to go through, go get back and do all this. Uh, maybe sometimes you realize that you made a mistake of not getting it stamped. Then uh, what do you do? Yeah, um, so yeah, I would like to call myself a normal person. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, uh, there is a lot of online um, help because a lot of people have done this in the past. And um, I, I found out uh, through you know reading different pages and different forums that a lot of people have made the same mistake uh, where they have missed this passport stamp, gone all the way down uh, to the tip of the uh, southern tip of the peninsula and realized they needed the stamp to cross to main, mainland Mexico. So everyone had written, go back and get the stamp. Uh, so for me, I knew but reading through the, all these uh, forums uh, that there was a way and it was possible. So I, I did not panic because I knew there was a way. And you had learned about this much earlier or at that moment you searched on the go? At that moment when I reached the hotel in Ensenada, uh, 60 kilometers south, uh, in the hotel I got some internet where I was reading. Okay. Uh, let me tell you, I compliment you for this. I appreciate you uh, for being so calm uh, because the normal human beings, at least a few of them, when they get stressed out, they tend to choke where the brain freezes actually. Nothing works. You don't even get that idea that you should Google and find out. You are totally at, at uh, you know, like a deer in the headlight, complete unable to know what to to what next. Your brain is not functioning. So here, your mental stability and courage and to be uh, able to accept what has happened and find a way out. That's what you have done. I really appreciate how you handle that situation. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it is very important to stay calm in uh, events like that. Okay, very nice. Getting panicked doesn't doesn't actually help yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you pass through the mainland Mexico here, right? Isn't it? And you speak a lot about culture, the culture. You know how similar it is to India and the food and other things. Uh, I'm curious to know about that because uh, the about the similarity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, that was actually a surprise to me as well because uh, Mexico was very similar to India in terms of culture and food uh, and people even. Uh, they're very kind and friendly. Um, and also geographically, Mexico lies in the same latitude as India. So they have the same sort of weather pattern, um, the same sort of, uh, you know, uh, tropical scenery. Um, so, yeah, it was very similar and uh, Mexicans are also, uh, you know, they have heard a lot about India and they know um, that India is very similar to Mexico. They've heard uh, such stories uh, their side as well. Uh, and they were very curious and they used to come to me and talk to me, ask about India. And, you know, um, uh, the, the most similar was uh, the food in terms of how spicy and rich and flavorful it was uh, compared to the rest of Latin America. What do you call those things, you know, the Mexican things that you get in our restaurants also? The uh, burritos, tacos. Burritos, tacos, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You get the vegetarian variety also? Yes, okay? yes, there is plenty of vegetarian okay, okay. options. You yeah. found some relief having, uh, eating all those? Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Uh, okay. Compared to bland food uh, in Canada and the US, okay. Mexico food was... Oh, that's great. Very welcoming. Okay. Now... Um, you left Mexico and you had to pass through the Yucatan Peninsula and now you had to enter those uh, first of the seven countries, right? Central American countries. Now you are approaching Central America. Correct. Yes. And the first country was Belize. Belize. Yes. Yeah, please, it's your turn. Okay. Yeah, right. Belize uh, is um, like a little Caribbean uh, culture, influential country. Um, it's a relatively new country. Uh, I think it was formed somewhere in the 80s. I could be wrong. Um, and it was the only English-speaking country, uh, you know, beyond Mexico and all the way down to Argentina. So basically, after Canada and the U.S., Belize is the only other English-speaking country on this whole trip. Um, and I liked it. There was uh, some Indian food options in Belize as well. Uh, some Indians have gone and settled uh, out there. Um, and it's a little tropical paradise. Uh, I loved, uh, you know, the, the relaxed culture the people have there. Uh, and the food and um, uh, just just being there was uh, very very relaxing. Chopper in the sense there were some beaches. Yeah, there was a lot of beaches. beaches. Sun and sand. Correct. And yeah. there was uh, these ancient uh, Mayan ruins. Ah, oh, uh, yes. That was more in Guatemala actually. Uh -huh. But yeah, there was some in Belize as well. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about that. I follow a lot of this ancient world. I watch a lot of uh, ancient aliens. Mm -hmm. and all these uh, episodes mm -hmm. and I was always interested uh, Mayans um, have had a civilization something uh, similar to Mesopotamia our Dwarka and our Indus Valley they were very ancient mm -hmm. it's more than 10,000-12,000 years ago they were all washed off during the great flood and uh, the modern day uh, researchers and the archaeologists say it's all about 1,500 years uh, there's a lot of controversy behind that okay. but uh, it's really curious uh, Mayan, so heard about the Mayan calendar, Mayan thing, and they had predicted that the world will collapse in 2020 uh, 20 or something like that. Or something. But that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, there was a 
there's a famous mayan uh, calendar whatever they call mm-hmm. a lot of history behind it not ancient history not just history it's ancient history very good you you went through the ruins and take a had a look at it correct yes uh, so there is this place called tikal in uh, guatemala tikal okay um and uh, that is full of mayan ruins mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, it's actually a unesco world heritage yes, uh, yes. and it was a, a very good place uh, to visit um because i was there during uh, the monsoon time and the jungle around this whole, the the mayan ruins was like lush green and it was perfect um, i really liked the place wow. i spent a full day uh, exploring these ancient temples and ruins do you enjoy roaming around exploring by yourself or you don't feel like you want somebody with you which we can uh, spend some time and just go along i mean it will it will be nice to have some company but uh, you know i i don't complain that i'm alone or anything i see because he's a solo trip once yeah, again yeah. and also <laughs> you'll you'll see a lot of people you'll meet a lot of people okay, um, okay, if okay. you're near traveling uh, okay. solo okay so as far as the gatamala experience is concerned the mayan ruins was one of them and uh, your next destination was el salvador correct yes and you had a terrible experience with customs officials there correct um yeah so i was crossing from uh, guatemala to el salvador um and uh, typically any border crossing it's like when you're exiting the country they stamp you out uh and they would they take the temporary import permit for your motorcycle away and when you enter the next country they stamp you in and they give you a new per- import permit for your bike uh so that's a pretty standard process um so in this case when i was going from guatemala to el salvador uh exit was pretty normal uh stamp out and they take the import permit uh but while entering el salvador um they stamped me in on my passport that was not a problem uh but printing uh, the temporary import permit for my motorcycle was taking long for some reason uh so i ask them like what is going on they're like maybe there is some system uh, issue please wait um so that you know one hour two hour two and a half hour rolls by it's still not printing uh, i go back and ask them they were like yeah i think there is still some issue uh, we are not able to print your uh, import document um we don't know what's happening uh, give us more time so i was like okay i was super hungry at this point um so i went to a local uh, nearby restaurant and i i was eating there as i was eating there were these three uh, uh, border officers who came into the restaurant uh but two of them like had full body armor and like an assault rifle and everything they sat next to me on the table they patiently waited i you know till i finished my uh, food um i paid the bill and as i was walking out uh, uh one of the guys showed his cell phone uh, showed a picture on his phone a picture of my motorcycle which was parked back at the border and he was like is this yours um i was like yes this is mine in english yeah ah yeah you know not not really he just pointed the picture and oh, he's like was that you okay uh, i was like yeah that's my bike uh so he's like follow me and he took me into a, a cop car um where he made me sit in the back seat where you know where um <laughs> prisoners sit uh, or criminals sit or whatever um they in the cop car they take me they took me back to the border um and uh, they told me that uh, my motorcycle was uh, flagged by interpol and that is why they are not able to generate the import permit um so for me that was very confusing because why would interpol be interested in my bike i'm just traveling 
um so they took me into a questioning room uh, and they asked me a lot of questions there were these three officers um luckily one of them spoke a, a bit of english so i i was able to you know manage um i tried to explain where i was coming from uh, where i was going what i wanted to do uh, and i showed them all the passport stamps from all the countries that i had been through so far uh, so they you know they understood uh, i even showed the booking that i had from panama to colombia uh, where i had to ship the motorcycle across uh, so they you know the story was more and more believable to them um and they checked through every inch of my luggage on my motorcycle uh they found nothing suspicious obviously and they were like um you know yeah, yeah you seem legit um we'll give you the permit so they had to override uh and they finally printed out the document and they gave it to me so all all of this took like 6 hours at the border um and uh, nobody knows why interpol flagged it but the officials think uh it is because i was crossing through uh too many borders in very little time um they you know interview you trying to run away or yeah, escape maybe our immigrants that trying to smuggle something or something like that okay. so that that flagged my motorcycle number plate okay finally it was solved and i was through and this part of the world is known for its uh, drug related activities uh, famous drug lords from there and um uh, are this uh, this trip because of that that uh, uh, drug smuggling and the it, it could be it could be uh, uh yes it is known for a lot of drug trafficking mm. uh but i didn't obviously see any of that before my eyes but uh, it could be i i do not know like i said i don't know even the border official didn't know what, why that happened what, what happened and uh, for so for such a lens of uh, the road you were traveling alone uh, in, in an unknown place uh, where the fears of this highway robbery thuggery and this kind of thing there's no there are no such uh, fears out there um i was warned that there could be uh, especially in mexico but uh, not really uh, i think uh, yeah people you know read news and they get worried mm-hmm. but reality is different one case is enough uh, for it to become viral is right correct yeah yeah very nice okay now um, uh you're passing through uh, gatemala and honduras right uh, honduras 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 yes uh and then to nicaragua so any experience on in this route no um i had to cover some distance uh because i had to catch the boat which was departing panama okay so i didn't really have much time to explore in yes. these countries uh, honduras and mm-hmm. nicaragua yes i saw um, a couple of volcanic mountains uh, one of them where i actually could see the magma um, if you just like you know lean down and you could see the core of that mountain the lava the lava the yeah okay. yeah you could see that it's called masaya volcan masaya oh. uh, that was a, a an incredible experience i had never oh. seen you know the core of the earth Okay. from the surface i nicaragua has okay. to do that oh there is the view point you are talking we are talking about correct a view point where you see the earth's core correct oh wow. correct it was a difficult experience yeah okay and maybe from here yeah you are moving to panama and that is the last of the seven central american countries correct uh, so, after nicaragua it was costa rica and costa okay. rica into panama panama yes. okay so what about panama the sen san bias islands 
ways um but nothing really prepares you when you're actually standing there and you're seeing this huge huge cargo ship just before your eyes going squeezing through this tiny space um and uh, the way water levels rise and drop um so yeah that was a pretty cool experience and i got to witness it um apart yeah after that there is not nothing really uh, nothing else uh, amusing about panama uh, it's another central american country um except that there is no you know income tax there there is no any sort of tax because uh, all of panama's revenue comes from the canal so one of these cargo ships if I, if it has to go through uh, this canal uh, it has to pay close to a million dollars uh, without which they have to go all the way around south america to come from uh, you know atlantic ocean to the pacific ocean uh, so and uh, any any given day uh, uh, 30 to 40 ships cross through Uh, so that will give a revenue of forty million dollars, close to thirty forty million dollars every single day to the country. Okay. Uh, so that was uh, I a good revenue for a third world country. It's not a third world not country. A third no, world it's world. A pretty developed and anymore. Uh, yeah, not not anymore. Yeah, the <laughs> Panama Canal has completely changed it, and the city actually looked like New York City. Wow. The skyline was. What city is that? Uh, the Panama City. Panama City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now you are moving into South America, correct? Uh, so uh, after uh, Panama, um, yeah. there is a break on the Pan American Highway uh, between Panama and Colombia. Um, the authorities claim that um, the road is too dangerous and that the the jungle is too thick. Uh, sorry, not the road. The area is too dangerous and the jungle is too thick to build a road through. Uh, but experts think the real reason is uh, because if you build a road. that will cut down on the shipping uh, traffic mm-hmm. in the canal and panama government doesn't want doesn't want that obviously um anyway so because of that small 100 km break on the pan american highway uh, you have to ship uh, your bike across from panama to colombia um and i had found um, uh, this german boat called stalwart uh, it is famous for taking these uh, adventure bikers across Uh, and it's a sailboat it's not uh, it's not like a it has a small diesel engine but it's mostly a sailboat um and uh, it took me 3 days for going from panama to colombia 3 uh, days 3 days yeah uh, you sail through the caribbean uh, and uh, you you were in the sea is it a sea yeah sea? yeah sea completely ocean yeah oh uh, and i was in that boat and my motorcycle was also in this boat uh, it takes uh, you know it takes us through san blas islands which is um, famous in its own way uh, it's like this uh, preserved caribbean islands um, we spend a day there um, and yeah we sail one full day on the ocean and the third day we reach uh, cartagena in colombia 3 days on the sea on and the ocean, uh, yeah. how do you oh, spend your time uh there were other bikers you know you talk okay. to them you hear their okay. stories and there are other travelers as well okay. on the boat 
Okay. There was maybe about 20 people, 15 to 20 they people. They sell on food on the boat or you Correct. have to pick they it don't, up? They don't sell. It's all right. part of the reel. They, they actually uh, they make they make food. They, it oh, has a kitchen. Okay. The, nice. the boat has a kitchen. Okay. And they, they make the It was uh, edible, eatable like? Yeah, I, I was not a big fan. Uh, you know, it is not, uh, it's not like a flavor. Yeah, you have spicy. to eat something to survive. But yeah, you have to eat it. Yeah, you have to eat it. Oh, tough times. Okay, <laughs> so what was your next destination, Ecuador? Uh, oh no, next was Colombia. Oh, Colombia. Um, this, this Colombia is different from British Colombia. Correct. Yeah, British Colombia is in Canada. This okay. Colombia is its own country. Oh, this is South America. South Colombia. America. Yeah, Colombia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, you know infamously known for uh, the, all the drug cartel, Pablo Escobar. Uh, Pablo Escobar, yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, uh, all these. Uh, this was in back in the you seventies, know, eighties, uh, but now it's completely different. Colombia is, mm-hmm. uh, is transformed, uh, completely transformed, and they're very positive about uh, uh, their culture and their life, the the way of Colombian living. Uh, they don't want to get associated with the the drug cartel that was that it's known for. Um, so. One of the most friendliest people in the entire world uh, I met was were, were Colombians. Uh, they were they were so overly friendly, and they go out of their way to be nice and friendly to you. Uh, like whenever I had stopped by the side of the road just for a five-minute break, maybe just to drink water, or maybe to like you know assemble my drone or something, or uh, change uh, memory cards on my camera. Uh, there was anywhere just for five minutes. If I had stopped, three four people would. Uh, stop and ask me if I was good, if I needed help, if I was run out of, uh, you know, if I had run out of petrol, or if, I, nice. if I had a breakdown, if they, if they, you know, I wanted a mechanic to help them, help me. Uh, so, yeah, people were super kind, super Very friendly. unspoiled, huh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Not and spoiled by money and riches kind of thing. No, no. They were living life to their fullest with the bare minimum that they had. Okay. And that's what I liked about Colombians. So... You are heading to Ecuador now. Correct. <laughs> Dear listener, I am in conversation with Mr. Suhas Shastri, uh, who is the first Indian uh, to cross uh, the Arctic Ocean to the Antarctic Ocean uh, with his uh, solo bike ride. Now, uh, you are listening to the part A up until now. Let's head to the part B uh, in the next episode. Thank you for listening.